Welcome to Breaking the Cycle of Poverty featuring Jay Height, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. For the past 37 years, Shepherd has served its neighbors on the Near East Side of Indianapolis by providing a range of services and support designed to end generational poverty. My name is Tim Swearens and I'm your host for these conversations that explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States. Today's episode explores why it's so difficult for our neighbors to break free from the cycle of poverty and how organizations like Shepherd are helping families to overcome those obstacles. Um, Jay, let's, let's start by talking about the cycle of poverty. What do we mean by cycle when it comes to poverty and how do you define it? Well, first, it's important to delineate the difference between those in generational poverty and those who are in situational poverty. So one is multi-generation, yes. and another is an event happened and someone's in poverty. We saw the event in 08 and 09, and, and the economy bottoming out, and a lot of folks began to deal with um, situational poverty. As we live in urban communities, we have seen generational, two, three, four generations. And I think the thing I would say is, is if you think of a waterfall, when I was in high school my senior year, we went down the Chattooga River uh, between Carolina and Georgia, I think, and um, we were coming up and we all had to pull over and the guide said, now before you go down any more rapids, uh, understand that you've got to go over this falls, and if you start to fall, just go with it. It'll throw you out, but don't try to hold to the boat because yes. there's a hydraulic at the bottom. And and so that hydraulic goes like this, and it, whatever gets pulled into that gets stuck in there. And he said, the only way to get you out is to throw a stick of dynamite. And one of my classmates said, well, wouldn't that hurt you? <laughs> and he said, you won't feel a thing. Um Poverty is many times like that hydraulic, right? Yes. You get stuck in it, sucks you in. And, and there are multiple reasons. Um, you know, I define many times that, uh, that, or have described, and I thankfully for the work that Tim Street, one of our great yes. staff members here, developing our Poverty 101 and, and understanding uh, some of those things, is that poverty takes away your ability to advocate and navigate. And so when... It, and then what they, you, when you see generations never seen anything different but what's right in front of you, you don't know uh, what the prophet Jeremiah said when I know the plans I have for you. Yes. You don't think that's possible. You don't think that's achievable. And I've had those conversations with some of our neighbors. So there's no way I could go to college. Uh, for many of them, the highest and greatest event they'll ever have is high school graduation. Uh, back several years ago, the superintendent of IPS said, we will not have celebrations during graduation. It's very controversial. And he said, yeah. this is but a stepping stone. Right. And I understand that better as I understand poverty. We don't want to make this a huge celebration. It can be celebrated, but not in such a way as this is the greatest thing that will ever happen. We expect you to go on, whether it's to a trade school, whether it's to a vocation, whether it's, it's to college. We want our students to know that you have that ability. The, one of the other things, and we've had this conversation, that it's an issue, it's called the welfare cliff. And the welfare cliff is this idea that if I make too much money, if I improve my situation too much, I lose all of my benefits and there's no stair stepping. So why take this job where all, I lose all of my benefits, including all the health care for my kids? Well, being a good parent means I don't want to put my kids at risk. 
And so I think that um, the welfare cliff is one of the issues that it's much bigger than what Shepard could ever uh, solve. It's one that the whole country has to uh, deal with. I think one of the other things that is this issue is, uh, so let's talk about SNAP or food stamps. Stamps, Yes. Uh, It is based on a model that was done in the mid-60s, and it's based on the number of people in the home. Now, uh, we are blessed to live in Indianapolis. I love this. Uh, I've raised my family here, um, and and my wife and I and, and our kids have lived here 27 years. Now they live in different places, but uh, they and their wives and, and our grandkids, but we've been here over 27 years. Uh, Indianapolis is a great place. Buying groceries in Indianapolis is much different than buying them in, in New York City or buying them in Chicago or buy and fill in the blank. Yes, but there's no provision made. And so for those folks who live in a major city that has huge expenses, uh, it's not equitable. And so their money doesn't go near as far. And, and there's no uh, changes made for them. I think uh, we, we have some of these well-intentioned programs that are defeating our families. Uh, uh, Jane and I served in the inner city of Cincinnati before coming to Indianapolis back in the early 90s. And we had a young lady that did really well, and she graduated with a degree, uh, associate's degree, to be mm-hmm. an LPN. Mm-hmm. But to start her job, she needed a uniform, so she took a part-time job so that she would have the money to buy the uniform. But they kicked her out of the program a week to go because she had made some income. And so that ruined everything for her. And so she didn't finish the program with a week to go. Yes. And it's like, you have got to, well, the rules say this. Oh, yes, but you see that she's trying. And it's that kind of insanity that uh, the program's um, well-intentioned, but uh, just defeat them. I think uh, there was a, a lady in, in, or I'm sorry, in Tennessee, she said, everyone is keeping me from drowning, but no one's teaching me how to swim. Yes. And so welfare, well-intentioned, has created this forced dependency, and it punishes you if you try to get out of that hydraulic. That's why I think it's so important for places like Shepherd, where we live in relationship with folks, where we can have some variables, where we can provide some additional support so that we're doing things like for our students who are from the neighborhood to go off to college, we're giving them extra support at, at Christmas. Yes. And we're making sure that they have food and, and that they have a way to get home. I mean, we just assume that. But for many, uh, there's greater challenges, and we want to keep them moving forward in that. Same thing with our high schoolers. Um, and then for our adults, uh, we're really so thankful for our child care center, Minnie Hartman, where we're able to hire moms from our neighborhood and helping them get a living wage job working for us, helping them get their um, their CDA certification and then going on to get their associates and hopefully their bachelors. We want to help continue to move them forward, but we have to address the challenges and they're all unique. And, and so we can live, and, and part of the challenge of, of welfare is government is, has to create a rule for the masses right. when it may be unique to a Tim or a Jay. So a ministry like Shepherd can see the individual rather than the mass. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. So what are some common misconceptions, myths about poverty in the United States? 
Well, someone would say, why do you choose to be poor? <laughs> Um, or why are they lazy? I, I've heard different ones. And yeah, I've been in their home and I saw a big screen TV and I said, well, okay, why would you have a big screen TV? Because in their mind, it only costs me $20 a week. Right. But what does that TV provide? It's also their childcare because they can't afford uh, childcare. And so when they get home from school, it's something that takes care of the kids. Uh, maybe you and I go see a movie or something and have some type of entertainment. That's not in their budget. So that's the way they provide entertainment for their family. Maybe it's a single parent who's struggling to make ends meet, and that's a way that she or he can better provide for their kids in their mind. It's maybe a, a good parent. And I've heard folks say, wow, you know, they got a bigger TV than I do. Yeah, but we have a lot of other things. And, yes. uh, and so I think sometimes there's this conception that um, people are lazy, that uh, they're dumb, uh, that that they have chosen to live in this lifestyle. And I have found some of the most entrepreneur, hardworking folks to be my neighbors. Uh, and, and I've been educated to that because we live in relationship with yes. them and can know them. And so we can say, okay, well, maybe we can bring some extra food over this week because you've got this. Or for the, um, for the woman who had to have surgery and we're able to go over and help and take extra food over and help her adult child, make sure they're getting to work and doing those types of things. That's what we can do. Government was never created. And I fear that the church thought when Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon Johnson declared the war on poverty that it, it was then the government's uh, job. And, and it's really been ours from the beginning. Right. Some of our listeners may be saying, sure, we get that there are obstacles, but there also there's a lot of support from government. There's nonprofits like United Way. There's ministries like Shepherd. So why is poverty such a persistent problem? Well, I think sometimes the system has so beaten them down that they don't feel the confidence that they can do something better. Uh, that they're, you know, when your hand keeps getting slapped, you finally stop reaching out. And I think that's happened for some of our neighbors. I think some have, have bought into the lie that there is something wrong with them, that they can't. And I can take you down as we enter into our building and the wall of the students who've gone on and the one who yes. went to Harvard and another one went to Notre Dame and, and all kinds of colleges and Ivy Tech, these great educational institutions. And we put that there because we want our students when they walk in to know that can be them. They can achieve that. We've talked in the past about the difference between sustainability versus dependence. Uh, ex explain that difference uh, the, between support systems that, that foster sustainability and those that uh, foster dependence. Yeah, we want to grow their capacity to reduce their dependency. So we may start by delivering food to your home, but in two years from now, we don't want to still be delivering food unless there's some kind of issue that makes it in, in, in improbable for you to, to change things. But I, I want to use that food to create a relationship to then help build that. I think of one um, that my wife and I have delivered and, and uh, that person's now working. And if you'd have said that two years ago, you'd like that individual will never get a job. They, and we had to do little incremental st uh, steps in the process, but today they're working. And I am so proud of them and to know that uh, we had to have a individual personal plan to help them yes. grow. Yes. So many uh, economists are forecasting a recession in the United States this year. Uh, what added pressures and challenges do recessions bring for those who can least afford it? 
Well, I think um, inflation is disproportionate tax on the poor. Yes. And you go to our grocery stores, they're different than maybe those in the suburbs. Um, less choices, higher prices. Um, you make choices to do I put milk on the cereal or water. Uh, those are real choices uh, that we see uh, for the folks who say, I can't afford to go to the laundromat, it's too expensive. Yeah. And, and I'm excited to say we're in process that in first quarter, in 2023, we'll have created a place where folks that are were in relationship can come do their laundry here at Shepherd. As we've listened to that and responded and said, okay, you can come do your laundry, but you're going to volunteer or you're going to take classes. You're not going to just sit here. Yeah. We want to grow your capacity and use that as a, a tool to help move folks further along. Um, I think that as we continue to engage, uh, things look different. Things have to, to be different. For our neighbors, it's, it's much more difficult. For Shepherd, it affects us too. Yes. Our costs are up. Utility costs are up. And for our neighbors, that's really tough. And I'm so appreciative of some churches that gathered blankets for us that we could get those out and get those into the families' homes. Um, I, I, I tell folks, and sure enough, you've seen in these last few weeks, an increase in fires because people will plug space heaters in or they'll run a, a space heater cord over to their neighbors because they've lost their utilities. Um, these are difficult times and uh, a recession. Many times uh, are the those who are in the service industry lose their jobs early on. This recession's a little different, but I we do see that some of that's going to be coming. And uh, we want to help them navigate to what they could work and, and where they could find employment. But for us, our costs are up. Uh, food costs are up. Utilities. And so our expenses are up. And, and we right. think we'll see maybe a decrease in, in giving because uh, it affects everyone. Right. <clears throat> and we want to be understanding and supportive of that. But also, we're going to continue to do everything we can. And to... Continue to keep focus to our neighbors. Grow your capacity to reduce your dependency. Yeah. So the the story about how uh, Shepherd uh, is enabling neighbors to do their laundry here, I think, is 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 pretty cool. And you know that that as we talked last year about inflation and how it was affecting people, you start hearing stories from neighbors saying, you know, I, I can't wash my clothes as often. It's just getting more and more expensive. And obviously clean clothes, it's important. Uh, it's an essential. Uh, it's something a lot of us take for granted. Yeah, I think a real privilege um, that for the last now three years, Jane and I have been able to do is deliver food yeah. into people's homes once a week. And it's there in those front porches I've learned more than in my whole 27 and a half years in, because it put me on their turf Yes, and we could have conversations and that's why I encourage our whole leadership team and others to, to have some kind of connection. Um, and we talked about how do we do ministry with, not to. Right. Well, part of it is you got to know their name, right? Yes. We don't have statistics and we don't have clients. We have neighbors. And neighbors have names and faces. And we use data. We're data informed. Oh. We're not data driven. Right. Um, we use that to figure out how we help build the capacity of our neighbors. For those who want to be a part of the, of the solution, what are ways we can help to make a lasting difference in helping to break the cycle of poverty? I think uh, some of the different ways, volunteer is one. And so folks can connect with our volunteer department here 
a shepherd to they may want to give they may want to give money they may want to go to our website where we have items that we need that you say i'll just buy it and have it shipped to you and we have both an amazon and a target wish list that you can buy things that we need and and that goes a long way in helping us reduce our cost and uh in prayer Um, that's always um a key part of we need that um, it is tough and we think that 23 will be a tough year we've been here before yes god's not surprised and we just need to continue to follow his lead and to hear his voice as he speaks to us and so we appreciate those who can pray for us thank you jay uh, shepherds donors partners and volunteers make a lasting difference in neighbors lives every day to learn more about how you can help please visit shepherdcommunity.org Thank you for listening. Thank you.